Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, right-hand gal, and co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know it will contain salt and heavy cream. It's day two of Heavy Cream Week, and we've got a very exciting episode for all of you today. That's right. First up, our intern Kyle is back for a cream-filled round of tricky trivia. Then Chad is here with a gassy edition of Ask a Grown-Up. Gassy, huh? Gassy. And finally, Andrea is back for a not-at-all-gassy how-to time. Ugh, that's a relief. That's the one that happens here in the studio. Exactly. Well, Mitzi, should we get started with today's episode? Let's do it! To the theme song! Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. The tribe has spoken. Mystery recipe. Hey, Molly, a question for you. What's up, Mitzi? Do you think I need, like, a catchphrase? Don't you already have a catchphrase? You'd think so, this being season five and everything, but I don't really think I do. Does gah count? Eh. Golly, Molly? Uh, not really a catchphrase, you know? Like back in season two, Parker used to always say, Cotton fibers. Wow, that Parker impression was amazing. Thank you. I've been working on it. Oh, and Greg would always say, If I'm being honest. A Greg impression, too? Well done. Thanks, Molly. And then there was Susie's catchphrase. What was that? Super duper. Molly, that Susie impression sounded just like her. Thanks. I can't let you have all the impersonation fun. So I was thinking about my catchphrase. Mm Mm-hmm. How about googly-doo? Googly-doo? Googly-doo. I'm I'm not so sure. What if I say it with enthusiasm, like, googly-doo? I mean, we're brainstorming here, no bad ideas. But, but let's not put all our eggs in the googly-doo basket. Okay, all right. Hey, Molly. Hey, Mitzi. Kyle, perfect timing. Kyle, we were just talking about catchphrases. Do you have a catchphrase? Not yet, but I was thinking about using... I can handle that. I can handle that. Yeah, because I'm a butter knife, and we have handles. And I can handle anything. I can handle that. I love it. Aw. Why did that make you sad, Mitzi? Well, I'm just having a lot of trouble coming up with my own catchphrase. Well, Mitzi, why don't you think up a couple new options while Kyle and I start our first segment? Yeah, that's a good idea. Here I Google go. Uh, yeah, you... You're right, Molly. That's, uh, that's not it. We'll keep workshopping it. All right. I'll be back. Hey, that's, that's a good one. I'll be back. It's taken. Ah. All right, Kyle. Are you ready for this week's round of tricky trivia? I can handle that. Nice. Super ready, Molly. 
Want to remind our listeners how to play? Sure. Listeners, Molly is going to give us a fact all about this week's ingredient theme. And I'll help you at home try and decide if that fact is true or false. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, here's your first one. True or false? There once was a recipe using whipped cream, which used to be called milk snow. So, Kyle, is this true or false? Was there a recipe using whipped cream that people used to call milk snow? Oh, man, I sure hope so. Let's think about this, though. While cream isn't exactly milk, it does come from milk. And so I can believe it would have the word milk in the name. What about the snow part, though? I guess snow can be fluffy, like whipped cream is. And if I really use my imagination, I could pretend a dollop of whipped cream on my hot chocolate was like a little pile of snow. What do you think, listeners? It's not too much of a stretch. And so I'm going to go with true. You're right. Nice job, Kyle. A long time ago, people in Italy used to make a whipped cream-like recipe called neve di latte, which translates in English to milk snow. There is even an English recipe called a dishful of snow, which is whipped cream with egg whites and some rose water. Sounds very English. Doesn't it? Might be a good catchphrase for Mitzi. A dishful of Mitzi. Actually, it sounds a little painful. Fair point. All right, ready for your next question? I can handle that. Here it is. True or false? People used to use tree branches to whip heavy cream into whipped cream. So, Kyle, listeners, is this true or false? Were people using tree branches to make whipped cream? Huh. Well, let's think about this, listeners. Nowadays, people whip cream using either a whisk or a mixer. Whisks look like a bunch of branches stuck together and spread out. But imagine trying to whip cream with just one branch. Can you picture it, listeners? I'm not sure I can. I don't know. I think it would be too tough. I am going to stick to my gut with this one, Molly. Nice. Gonna have to go out on a limb here and say this one is false. Oh, sorry, Kyle. This one is actually true. Really? Really. Up until the 1800s, recipes actually called for tree branches like a willow or a rush branch to be used to whip cream. Like you said, though, it is far less effective than a modern whisk and could take an hour or often longer to actually whip. An hour or longer? No, thank you. Unless it were pine. That might add some nice taste. It might. All right. One more question, listeners. Let's do it. True or false? Whipping cream and heavy cream are the same thing. So, Kyle, is this true or false? Is whipping cream the same as heavy cream? Hmm. What do you think, listeners? They do have two different names. And so I'm thinking, if they are the same thing, why would they have two different names? But also, heavy cream is very often used for whipping. And so, maybe they are the same. Like how chickpeas and garbanzo beans are the same, even though they are called something different. Listeners, I think I'm going to go with true for this one. This answer is actually false. Whipping cream and heavy cream are both used to make whipped cream, but they are slightly different. What's different about them, Molly? It all comes down to their fat content. Whipping cream you might find in a grocery store in the U.S. is around 30 to 35 percent fat, while heavy cream in the U.S. has a fat content of about 38 percent. Small difference, but different nonetheless. Makes sense. 
So then, question Molly. I've seen a type of cream called half and half in the grocery store before. Based on the name, is that half cream, half milk? That's mostly right, Kyle. Nicely done. Half and half is about 12% fat content. Not exactly half of heavy cream's 38%, but that is where the name comes from. Nice job on tricky trivia this week, Kyle. Thanks, Molly. That was a tough one. Now I feel like I want to try making whipped cream with a pine branch. Well, let me know if you do. I'd love to try some. Molly! Hey, Mitzi. All right, looks like you broke out the whiteboard. I did. How I do all my best brainstorming. So, we have a lot of options here. Should I just try some out on you and see what sticks? I can handle that. Gah, it's such a good one, Kyle. Why didn't I think of that? Okay, how about make it work? Isn't that already taken? Is it? Yeah, I think Tim Gunn always says that on Project Runway. Uh, okay, how about... Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. I'm pretty sure that's Maybelline's tagline. It's a makeup line. Yeah, I guess that should have been obvious, huh? Also, like, maybe she's just born with it, Maybelline. Can you just, like, let her have that? Seriously. Okay. Live long and prosper. Star Trek. The tribe has spoken. That's from Survivor. Also, when would you say that? Did I do that? That's Steve Urkel from Family Matters. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. That's from Encanto. I know, but do you really think people will recognize that? I do, yes. Especially if you sing it like that. Ugh, Molly, this is so hard. Hi, friends. Was someone just singing Encanto? Oh, yeah, that was me. I try to come up with a good catchphrase. Huh. Why? Well, uh, good question. I just feel like... Everyone should have one. Well, just because everyone else has one is not a very good reason to me. Hey, Chad, if you're here, does that mean it's time for Ask a Grown-Up? That's right. And Kyle, I think you are really going to enjoy this guest. Oh? Why is that? Well, you'll just have to wait and see, Weed. Wait, what? You're just going to have to wait and see, Weed. Because I'm... Talking to our guest today about seaweed. Oh, we didn't know that part. That's okay. Let's just cut to a word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. I want to tell you about our sponsors, the National Mango Board. Mangoes are one of the most flavorful and versatile fruits in the world. Not only are they a tangy and sweet snack, you can really have them whichever way you want. Make mango toast, mango guacamole, or fresh mango lassi popsicles just in time for summer. Did you know mangoes have over 20 vitamins and minerals and are rich in vitamin C, which helps build and maintain a strong immune system? So having a super fruit like a mango helps you be a super you. Grownups, discover more about mangoes at mango.org slash mystery recipe. Hey, grownups, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Green Pan. Their Valencia cookware collection is the winner of ATK's Best in Test for Ceramic Nonstick Skillets. Green Pan is constantly working to live up to their name. They use recycled aluminum, their factory runs on 30% solar energy, they recycle their wastewater, and are focused on reduced carbon emissions. 
Greenpan has won dozens of awards for their dedication to the environment and is always working to make healthy products better for everyone. We are thrilled to have a sweepstakes giveaway with Greenpan to celebrate Earth Day. Grownups, visit atkkids.com slash Earth Day for your chance to win. And we're back. That's right. And since it's heavy cream week, I wanted to talk about seaweed. Kidding, of course. I started by doing some research on cows and quickly learned that cows and dairy farming can have a negative impact on the environment. So I talked to this guy. My name is uh, Hermias Cabrap. I'm a professor at the University of California, Davis. Hermias is working on a study to lower cows' impact on the environment by changing their burps. By doing what? Changing their burps. Cow burps uh, usually contain uh, a gas called methane. And uh, methane is um, a greenhouse gas that traps uh, heat in in the atmosphere. So it basically contributes to the warming of of our environment. So we don't want to have too much uh, uh, methane going up up in the air. So so the, the main sources of methane, one is the... Uh, the oil and gas industry. And then the second biggest uh, source is uh, uh, livestock. Livestock or farm animals, including cows, account for almost 4% of our annual global greenhouse gas emissions, about 2 billion tons of carbon dioxide equivalent per year, which is a lot. I started by asking Ermius how all that methane ended up in cow burps to begin with. The reason that the cows burp is because they are eating things that we cannot eat, like grass and uh, byproducts like almond hulls. But in that process, to help them break down this high fiber uh, material, these grassy things that we cannot eat, they work with uh, hundreds and millions of types of, of um, uh, microbes in their, in their stomach. And that helps them to break down those very hard to digest kind of things. So microbes are microscopic organisms, which means they are very tiny living things. Things like bacteria, fungi, or protozoa that live in a cow's stomach. Some of those microbes help cows digest high-fiber foods like grass. In that process, those microbes, they produce hydrogen gas. But then there are these other microbes that also live in a cow's stomach that love this hydrogen gas and use it as energy or food. But when they use that hydrogen, their byproduct is unfortunately methane. That methane is burped out from, from the animals to get rid from their, from their body. So some of the tiny organisms or microbes that live in a cow's stomach are the ones making methane gas, which cows then have to burp out and is bad for the environment. I asked Ermius what he is trying to do about it. Well, what we are working on is feed additives. And so basically by giving them a little bit of uh, an additive that, that will sort of disrupt the system and reduce methane emissions. So for example, we have been trying seaweed, a, speci- a specific type of seaweed, a red seaweed that contains a, a, a certain um, a chemical called bromoform. And once they, the animals eat this, the, what it does is basically interferes with this uh, conversion of hydrogen into, into methane. So we get much less methane. Sometimes we can get up to 98% reduction of methane. So that's, that's a really, really big reduction. 
And so by adding something to the food that cows eat, in many cases this type of red seaweed, it's stopping microbes from creating methane, but it still allows the cows to get energy from fibrous foods. The potential positive impact this study can have on the climate is huge. Remember, livestock contributes 4% of the entire planet's greenhouse gases every single year. And if you reduce it by uh, over 1% a year, we can actually see a little bit of a reversal and a bit of a cooling effect as well. But we really need to reduce you know, at least about 1% of, of methane a year Uh, from from where we have right now. 1% to me seems like a very small number, but it's not as simple as it sounds. It's not that easy because the the thing is the the trend has been increasing. So we have actually been increasing in the emissions of, of, uh, of methane. So we have to stop that increase and then go below. It's like someone running down a hill. You can't just all of a sudden take a step backwards. You have to stop first and that's going to be hard for us to do. Um, so I think this is uh, time to really, really step up and, uh, and do something and, and, and quickly. I asked Hermias what advice he had for our young listeners who want to help. I think uh, to, to try to, to, to get the, the adults to, to, to act because, you know, this is their future. Kids should really be involved. I mean, I've seen a lot of the, the activism that's happening, uh, being involved in schools and also, you know, with, uh, with local uh, governments. I think uh, that, that's, that's one way to try to change this, this scenario and, and make people realize that this is the future of the kids that, that we, are, we, are, we are playing with right now. Kids need to play an active role uh, reminding people that, you know, they are the ones who, who will have, uh, will bear the, the, the most of the effects. So uh, we should be, be cognizant of that and, and do the best we can to, to uh, reduce the, the impact. Huge thanks to Ermias Kibrab for all the work he is doing to help fight climate change. If you want to learn more, Ermias recently did a TED Talk on this very topic. You can head to TED.com and search for seaweed. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Ermius and everyone involved in this study. How cool was that? I knew that methane gas was bad for the ozone layer, but I did not know that cows eating seaweed could have such a positive effect. Do you think seaweed would have the same effect on cats? I love Oliver to pieces and everything, but he can get a little burpy. Who can get a little burpy? Andrea. Andrea! We were just talking about how cows who eat seaweed burp less methane, which limits their contribution to climate change. Well, you learn something new every day. Speaking of, you're here so that I can learn something new today. That's right. It's time for how-to time. Andrea is an associate editor here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. We want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern, so every week I'm going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. I'm excited. What are we learning about this week? Are we going to learn how to make whipped cream? Close. We're going to learn how to use a hand mixer, which is a key piece of equipment for making whipped cream. That is, of course, unless you want to use a pine branch instead. While I do still plan on trying that experiment, today is not the day. I bet an electric hand mixer is way faster. 
Oh, it definitely is. A hand mixer is a handheld electric mixer that you use to mix ingredients in any bowl you have at home, as long as it's big enough to fit your ingredients and the beaters. It's great for things like mixing cake batter or making whipped cream. Very excited for that part. Okay, well, the first thing we have to do is get a large bowl, one big enough to hold our ingredients. It's important to use a large bowl that has lots of space for the beaters to move around in. Here at ATK Kids, when we write a recipe, we're sure to tell you what size bowl you'll need for the ingredients. In fact, we have a recipe for whipped cream if you want to try this at home. Grown-ups, just head to atkkids.com slash whipped cream. Here, let's use this big bowl so we can make lots of whipped cream. Good idea. Then we can share with Mitzi, Molly, and Chad. Making food is always better when you share it. What do we do next? Next, we add our ingredients to the bowl. In this case, we're going to add this heavy cream, vanilla extract, and a little bit of sugar. Let me just dump those in here. Great. Ready to mix? Just about. First, let's go over what you're actually going to be doing. Before you plug in your mixer, make sure it is turned off. That way it doesn't start spinning as soon as you plug it in, which can make a mess. Switch is off. Check. Next, you're going to attach your beaters. Take one beater and push it into one of the holes on the bottom of the mixer. Can you describe the beaters for our listeners at home, Kyle? Listeners, the beaters have a long, straight metal part, and at the end is a round part with strips of metal, almost like a balloon at the end. It looks kind of like a whisk, but thicker. Great description. The long, thin metal part is what attaches to the mixer, and the balloon part is what will go into the bowl and mix up our ingredients. There are two little pieces on the end of the beater that look almost like tiny wings. You have to line those up with the notches in the holes on the bottom of the mixer to get the beaters in, and then sometimes twist to lock them into place. Not all mixers need to be twisted. Some just click right in. But see what your mixer needs before you turn it on. If the beaters aren't locked into place, they could slip out when you're mixing, so that part is important. Okay, let me give this a try. All set. Before we mix, the mixer has different speeds. When you start mixing, it's a good idea to start at the lowest speed and then slowly increase. Mix on a low speed just long enough to get your ingredients a little mixed and uniform before turning up the speed. Your recipe should tell you what speed to mix on so you know what to turn the mixer up to once you've gotten started. Okay, make sure mixer is off. Lock the beaters into place. Start on a low speed. Got it. Also, when you're mixing, be sure to keep the beaters in the bowl and in the ingredients. Turn the mixer off before you lift it out of the bowl when you're done. If you lift the beaters up while the mixer is on, you'll fling food everywhere. Wow, that's kind of cool. This thing really is a mess machine. Only if we're not careful. One more piece of advice. When you're mixing, it helps to hold the bowl with one hand and the mixer with the other to keep everything steady. One hand on the bowl, one hand on the mixer. I can handle that. I think you're ready. I'll plug in the mixer for you and you can give it a try. Listeners at home, always make sure you have an adult nearby to help you when using an electronic appliance like a mixer. Are you ready, Kyle? Ready. Okay, you are plugged in. Mix away. Okay, starting on low and turning it up to medium low for one minute. We'll fast forward here. Okay, looks a little mixed up now. I can see some bubbles for me. Turning it up to high now for another minute. 
Oh, wow. That's so fast. It's whipped cream. Yeah, that looks great. You can turn it off now. It looks like you made whipped cream. We'll have to taste test it and see. That's a great idea. Just donate the whole bowl, okay? No promises. Thanks, Andrea. No problem, Kyle. I'll see you next week. Yeah, Molly, that means how-to time is over. And so this episode is just about over, too. It is. But I haven't come up with a catchphrase yet. Mitzi, I've been meaning to ask, what's my catchphrase? Your catchphrase? Yeah. I, uh, I don't really think you have one, Molly. Huh. Huh. And do you think I'm doing an okay job as a podcast host? No. I would say you are doing a truly spectacular, impeccable, fantastic, really, really, really good job as a podcast host, Molly. Silly question. Well, so then maybe you don't really need a catchphrase to do a good job. You think so? Mitzi, you do an incredible job hosting the show. Just because some people do things a certain way doesn't mean that you need to as well. So what if you don't have a catchphrase? You have a charming and chaotic personality that makes this show really fun. These mics are on? Yes. Because that's truly the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. God, we recorded it. You are joking. Charming and chaotic. Put that on a business card, please. Molly, thank you. Anytime, Mitzi. I meant it. I am serious about that business card, Molly. Or maybe I could stitch that onto a pillow. Oh, that would be great. Listeners, we'll be back with another high-fat episode next time. We'll try to stay chill in our pressing questions segment, followed by a chart-topping hit in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is yet? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep, keep on. on. Oh, oh, oh. What is it, Mitzi? This is our catchphrase. Keep on cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am Roasted Salted Cashews. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a big barrel of cheese puffs. Andrea Vavjin is a white cheddar cheese it and Katie O'Hara is a goldfish cracker, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Chester Guazda, an apple, and Matt Boynton, a salt and vinegar potato chip of ultraviolet audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and his popcorn. Our director of post-production is Jen Margolis. She is a Twix. Our director of production is Diane Knox, who is also salsa. Fact-checking by Julia Arwin, a nacho cheese Dorito. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher, and she's a spicy pickle. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a tortilla chip. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a chocolate-covered pretzel. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams. Executive editor, Kristen Sargianis. Executive Food Editor, Susanna McFerrin. Art Director, Gabby Hominoff. Deputy Food Editor, Afton Cyrus. Associate Editors, Andrea Vavjin, Katie O'Hara, and Tess Berger. Editorial Assistant, Julia Arwin. 
photo test cook Ashley Stoyanov and test cook Faye Yang. Special thanks to Ermias Kabrab. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brian Green. Thanks again to our sponsors, Driscoll's, The National Mango Board, OXO, and Green Pan. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kits. Spent this whole episode looking for a catchphrase, and all along I just needed to reach the end of it to remember what it was. <laughs> That's got to be a metaphor for something. I also think I could get away with, We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Not if you sing it. But you have to sing it. You can't not sing it, Molly. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Boring. I'm sorry, grown-ups. Why are you sorry? They love it. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't want to hear you. I'm mumbling. Yeah, mumbling, mumbling. Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.